welcome to Simply by Grace, a podcast of Grace Life Ministries with founder and director, Dr. Charlie Bing. This podcast and other helpful resources can be found at our website, gracelife.org. Now, here's Dr. Bing. I'm glad you joined us for today's podcast. We're going through a special series called Simply by Grace, the book. When I wrote Simply by Grace, I never dreamed it would have such an impact and be translated into a dozen languages with more in the works. It's published in English by Kriegel, and you can get the book at our website, gracelife.org, or on Amazon, or wherever you buy your paperback or digital books. Like a lot of folks, you might want to buy a bunch and hand them out to people who need a better understanding of God's amazing grace. Grace Life ministers around the United States and the world sharing the gospel of grace with unbelievers and the grace of the gospel with believers. Our ministry is supported by folks just like you, and that too can be done on our website, gracelife.org. What we'll do now is read a chapter of Simply by Grace and follow that with an interview on the topic of that chapter with someone who's going to give further insights about that aspect of God's grace. So, if you're ready, we'll dive into the book. Chapter 11, A New Commitment As we enjoy a new life in Christ, we can also enjoy a new purpose. When we are motivated to serve God out of love and gratitude for His grace, we look for the best way to do that. When Jesus preached the gospel and people believed, He then challenged those believers to become disciples. To become a disciple of Jesus Christ is, in short, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God. It is a way of life open to anyone who has believed in Christ as Savior and now wants to serve Him as Lord. It is a possibility provided by grace. The Meaning of Discipleship The word disciple comes from the word to learn. So a disciple is a learner, a pupil, or an apprentice. Sometimes in the Gospels, discipleship is referred to as following Jesus Christ. In Jesus' time, a rabbi, or teacher, would gather around himself those who wanted to learn from him and become like him. These pupils would follow closely and live with their master to learn all they could. Their lives were devoted to becoming like their master. In Matthew 10.25, Jesus said, It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. Though Jesus is no longer with us physically, We can still be his disciples if we commit to learn from him so that we can become like him. That commitment should be our response to the grace we realized in salvation. In Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus gives an invitation to salvation and an invitation to discipleship. It says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The call to salvation is in the invitation to come to Jesus Christ. Those who come receive rest in God's righteousness instead of having to struggle for their own. Jesus offers his righteousness as a free gift to all who receive it through faith. That refers to our justification. The call to discipleship, however, is seen in the invitation, Take my yoke and learn from me. The imagery of a yoke that binds an ox to a plow is a picture of discipline and obligation. Sometimes a younger animal was trained by yoking it to an older, stronger animal. Jesus invites us to be yoked to him. He is inviting submission to his teaching and authority. When we accept his invitation to be a disciple, we find further rest for our souls. The word souls can also be translated lives. The life of a disciple is a life of peace and rest as we learn from Christ and follow his will. That is also called our sanctification. Following Jesus is not necessarily easy, but since we are yoked to Christ, he is the stronger one. God's grace is sufficient to help us make and keep our commitments to him. Living in partnership with Jesus is always the easiest way to live because we have the joy of serving Him and the resources of the Spirit's power to do His will. The Distinctions of Discipleship 
It should now be apparent that discipleship is distinct from one's initial salvation. Disciples are made, not born. If salvation is free, by grace through faith, but discipleship is costly, then salvation must be distinct from discipleship. This chart should help show the distinctions between salvation and discipleship. Salvation, a free gift. Discipleship is costly. Salvation, received through faith. Discipleship requires commitment and obedience. Salvation does not involve our works. Discipleship involves our works. Salvation is instant justification. Discipleship is lifelong sanctification. Salvation, Jesus paid the price. Discipleship, the Christian pays the price. In salvation, we are coming to Jesus as Savior. In discipleship, we are following Jesus as Lord. The condition for salvation is believe the gospel. The condition for discipleship, obey the commands. We might call salvation a truth and discipleship be truth. This distinction is crucial to keeping the gospel of salvation clear because if we confuse the distinctions of discipleship with the gift of salvation, grace will no longer be free. Salvation would cost us all of the commitments and sacrifices required to be a disciple. A helpful way to keep salvation distinct from discipleship is to think of salvation as a truth and discipleship as B truth. Just as A comes before B, salvation comes before discipleship. So A truth includes all the things we read in the Bible about our need for salvation, the condition for our salvation, the consequences of heaven and hell, and the consequences of eternal life and death. On the other hand, B truth includes all of the commands and promises to the Christian after salvation or in our sanctification. Things like discipleship, commitment, rewards, discipline, growth, and service are all B truth. Keeping salvation and discipleship distinct will help you appreciate each of them more. It will also help you interpret many of the discipleship passages in the Bible that people confuse as being about salvation. Salvation is free, but discipleship is costly. Both are a result of the grace of God working in our lives. The Cost of Discipleship So what does it cost to become a disciple? In one sense, it costs everything. But Jesus made some specific demands for Christians who want to follow him as disciples. When we examine the context of these demands, we see that consistently they are given to those who had already believed and even those who were already called disciples. The unbeliever would not comprehend these demands or be motivated to meet them. Believers have experienced God's grace, which teaches and motivates them to meet the demands. Even those who are already disciples need to be challenged to be more of a disciple because discipleship is not a static state. As we grow, God constantly makes more demands and requires more commitments of us. Let us look now at some of the major conditions of discipleship. A very important one concerns the believer's relationship to God through his word. John 8, 31-32 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. To abide means to continue in or remain in. Use of the word abide assumes that because these Christians have believed, have begun in Christ's word, they must now continue to follow and obey it. They will establish themselves in the truth, and the nature of truth is that it frees us from theological and moral falsehoods that could bring us into bondage to error and sin. To be disciples, we must devote ourselves to knowing and following God's word, which we have today in the Bible. Three more conditions of discipleship are stated in Luke 9, verse 23. Jesus said, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The first of the conditions in this verse, to deny oneself, means to put God's will before our own or to say no to our self-interests and desires in order to say yes to God's desires for us. It is a repudiation of our own will in choosing God's will instead. We say no, for example, to our desires for selfish ambition, sinful pleasures, or revenge 
so that we can adopt God's goals for our lives, find our pleasure in Him, and allow God to deal with those who harm us. To take up the cross is to be willing to suffer hardships because of our identification with Jesus Christ or our desire to do His will. In New Testament times, the cross denoted the cruelest form of suffering and death. Disciples are willing to suffer for Jesus, which sometimes means that even today we could pay with our lives. To tell someone to take up his cross is like saying, bring your own bullet or pack the cyanide. Almost every day we have opportunities to identify with Jesus Christ and do his will in the face of opposition, ridicule, or persecution. Can we follow Jesus in suffering for him? The third condition here is to follow Christ. This is an invitation to live with Jesus in the closest possible relationship so that we are doing his will and fulfilling his purpose for our lives. When Jesus invited Peter, Andrew, James, and John to follow him, he told them he would make them fishers of men. To follow Jesus' purpose for our lives will at least involve bringing other people to him. Jesus said his purpose was to preach the gospel and to seek and to save the lost. We can fulfill this purpose wherever we are, at work, at leisure, or at home. Another condition Jesus gave looks very difficult. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Luke 14, verse 26. When Jesus says hate, though, he is using a figure of speech that means love less than. A disciple must make Jesus the object of supreme love and devotion, even to a greater degree than his own family, even more than his own life. This does not mean that we neglect our loved ones. In fact, it will result in loving them more. But sometimes serving our family relationships and our own desires will test our loyalty to Jesus. We must put him first in all of our relationships if we would be his disciples. In the same passage, Jesus also says, in Luke 14:33, whoever of you who does not forsake all cannot be my disciple. He illustrates this demand with a builder and a king who did not commit the necessary provisions to finish their work. It shows that as believers, we must commit whatever possessions are necessary to do what God asks us to do. This is a matter of stewardship, because if God owns everything, we must be willing to manage it faithfully and surrender to him when he asks us to. There are other conditions for discipleship as well, but the ones we have listed all involve a commitment, obedience, or some kind of sacrifice from the Christian. If that is true, then discipleship costs the believer something, maybe everything. Can you see why the conditions for discipleship cannot be conditions for salvation, which is by grace through faith? The Process of Discipleship Unlike our salvation, or justification, which is an instantaneous event, discipleship is a lifelong process. After seeing the conditions necessary to become a disciple, it's easy to understand why disciples are made, not born. Not every Christian is a disciple, though every disciple must be a Christian. Discipleship is like a journey. Each disciple's journey proceeds at a different pace. There are times of great progress, slower progress, stagnation, and even losing ground. But a Christian is a disciple so long as he or she is committed to Jesus Christ and the journey to become Christ-like. A good example of the journey of discipleship is in the life of the Apostle Peter. In John's account, Peter met the Lord early in John chapter 1 and had believed in him by John chapter 2 verse 11 and chapter 6 verses 68 through 69. Yet his life as Jesus' disciple shows times of weak faith and even denial of Jesus. Still, Peter is always considered a disciple. It is interesting that Jesus continually tells Peter to follow, or we see Peter mentioned as following not only in his earlier time with Jesus, but also in his denial at Jesus' arrest and after Jesus' resurrection. As I said, there is a sense in which a disciple is always challenged to become more of a disciple. The fact that Peter is always listed first among the disciples, was usually their spokesman, and was one of the three closest to Jesus, shows that God may have intended us to view him as a picture of the discipleship journey. Peter is someone we can identify with. 
He illustrates both the demands of discipleship and the grace that God provides to follow him even after failure. Like Peter, we should expect our journey to be full of twists and turns, but ultimately headed in the right direction toward Christ. The Purpose of Discipleship A disciple's life is a life of purpose. To follow Jesus includes fishing for people so they can believe and follow him too. Jesus issued a final command before leaving earth and ascending into heaven. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Jesus left us with the strategy for purposeful and effective ministry. We are to multiply ourselves in the lives of other people by making disciples. The way this imperative is written in the original language shows that make disciples is the main command. The subordinate actions in the command explain how we make disciples by going out to evangelize, by baptizing believers into the fellowship of Christ's church, and by teaching those believers so they can be disciples themselves. As we obediently follow Jesus and all that he taught us, we show that we love God and we will grow closer to him, according to John 14, 21. Because we love God and follow Christ, we will also love and serve others, according to John 13, 35. There is no higher purpose in life than to love and serve God and others. The first step in your lifelong journey of purpose is, of course, to grow as a disciple yourself. We previously discussed the greatest resource for growth, God's Spirit in us, but we have other resources that can also help. First of all is the church through its teaching, fellowship, worship, and opportunities for ministry. There is also some good literature you can use, although I must caution you that not all of it is consistent in its view of the gospel, grace, and what it means to be a disciple. I have written a workbook specifically to help people get grounded in grace and grow as a disciple and help them make disciples of others. You can also find a more mature Christian or a group of mature Christians and spend time with them, studying the Bible and learning to apply it to life. The important thing is to get started and grow so that you can pass it on to others. To follow Jesus as a disciple is a commitment every believer should make. To fully appreciate God's gift of grace is to grow in it and in our relationship to the God of all grace. It is unfortunate that many times the commitments of discipleship are misunderstood as commitments needed for salvation. This undermines the grace of God and the work that Jesus Christ has done for us. This interpretation not only makes assurance of salvation impossible, it also removes the foundation for a life of joy and freedom which comes from growing in grace. The possibility of discipleship is a gift of grace. The ability to keep the commitments of discipleship is also ultimately by God's grace as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit in us and abide in His Word. Review Questions 1. What should be the goal of a disciple? 2. How would you distinguish between salvation and discipleship and why is that important? 3. Explain the statement, quote, Disciples are made not born, unquote. 4. How do the conditions for discipleship relate to the lifelong journey of discipleship? Well, our chapter was about a new commitment, and really that involves, as you heard, discipleship. And our guest today has, I think, some good things to say about that because he not only has studied it quite extensively, but has written and pastors a church where he practices making disciples. And our guest today is Cody Wallace. He is the pastor of Southwest Community Church in Miami. 
and uh, has been there quite a while as uh, started in 2002, but uh, for the last seven years as lead pastor at that church. And it was my good fortune to be with him this summer for a conference at his church. And he's married to uh, a wonderful wife and has two great boys and a daughter, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We don't want to no want to forget her. Uh, anything else you want to tell us about your background? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm um, currently studying a um, doctorate in ministry and discipleship studies at Liberty University. Uh, I come from a diverse background. My my mother is from Colombia. My dad is uh, second generation Greek. Um, but, uh, we're just a, a hodgepodge of everything, just like everybody in the United States and Miami, of course, too. Um, but, uh, I trusted Christ when I was 10 years old and came to the realization that I needed a deeper relationship with him when I was 19. And so I like to tell people, I, I came to the moment of salvation at 10 and made Jesus the Lord of my life at 19. Oh, good. And I know uh, <laughs> Romans 12, one through two is a passage that you really like that expresses that kind of a lifetime commitment. So we're going to get to that yeah. because you've written a book that includes that. Um, one thing I like about visiting Cody's church is Miami is a, as he called it, a hodgepodge of a lot of different cultures. And yeah. You need to know where to go and what to do. And he knows all the good eating places, I'll tell you. So that was a fun part of the visit. Yes. <laughs> well, Cody, uh, glad to have you with us today. Appreciate your time. And uh, let's, why don't we start with a good definition of uh, what a disciple is? Because you know there's not uni uniform agreement about that in the churches today. So yeah. give us an idea of what a disciple is and, um, and define the word. Yeah. Well, um, I always like to start with the what it's not when I give the definition of discipleship. And uh, one of the things it's not is salvation and your salvation experience, the day you trusted Christ as Savior. Um, I always like to separate it because the historical uh, understanding of discipleship is a learner or follower of a master's teaching. On the Christian side, we are following the teaching and application of the lifestyle that Jesus has set forth in front of us. So uh, that's what I like to um, really just lay out there for people when we're doing workshops or talking. But uh, I do have to say, uh, Charlie, you give one of the best definitions of discipleship in your Salvation and Discipleship and Grace books that I've seen that's out there. And I really appreciate that. Oh, okay. Well, maybe <laughs> that is someday. <laughs> no, I've used the same words you use, learner, follower. I use yeah. apprentice sometimes. But um, it's it's not uh, uniformly understood that way by some churches. They they say every Christian is a disciple. Uh, do you buy that or why not? I know you don't. So yeah, um, I think that um, no, not everybody is in a following relationship with Jesus uh, the moment they trust Christ. Um, I think that one of the big problems in church today is it's easy to kind of throw away the baby with the bathwater uh, because we're not heavily discipling people. And so the easier thing to do rather than blame ourselves is blame the individual. So rather than say, you know, we have a shortcoming where we're not growing people in Christ and we're not teaching them the basics, we're not even teaching them how to study the word of God or how to pray. I mean, if you Look at Matthew 5 through 7, the instruction of Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount. He's instructing the people how to pray, how to fast, how to, mm -hmm. how to even give tithing and things of that nature. And um, he sat there and instructed them from the ground up of how to mature in their faith. And um, so that's one of the things is we're just not teaching people how to follow Christ and apply his word. And really, the fault lies on us. And so it's kind of easy for people to say, well, that person was never saved or, you know, that person didn't endure to the end. And those are, I think, very harsh terms when the church and just and when I say church, I mean, big C church people right. in general. Um, we're not doing the great 
you know, commissioned to go out and make learners of all the nations, make disciples of all the nations. Yeah, and the Great Commission, of course, to make disciples is the main uh, emphasis or imperative there. And then by teaching them to do exactly everything that Christ taught. So uh, there's got to be an emphasis on teaching them. Uh, it's it's just not a matter of taking a course or even making a commitment, but helping that person learn and grow. Uh, so when we talk about the distinction between someone who's believed in Christ as Savior, you said you did that at the age, of, was it nine years old? Yeah, nine, ten, somewhere around there. Somewhere around yeah. there. And, but, <laughs> but you didn't really become a disciple or make the discipleship commitment till you were uh, 19. Why is yeah. it important for people to distinguish between the conditions for discipleship as opposed to the condition for salvation? Well, uh, like you express in, in chapter 11 of uh, you're simply by grace, the new commitment. Um, one of the big aspects of discipleship is that it is costly, where on the other hand, salvation is free. It's free. It's everlasting. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a you're you're entering into a relationship as a son or daughter of God, and those types of things, uh, God does not divorce from you. Uh, he doesn't take it away, and or if it is, it's just bad terminology on our part and the Bible's part. You know, we should change the name from free and gift and and everlasting. It needs uh -huh. you know, uh, but the thing is that it is free. It is everlasting. Um, and on the other hand, discipleship is costly. Uh, Paul uses the words in his relationship with Christ as, I agonize, I struggle. You know, um, it is a, it's a, Jesus says it's a daily choice. Anyone wishing to come after me must deny himself daily, daily. take up his cross and follow me. Luke 9, um, 23. Yeah. And I like to say that, you know, um, the devil created the new year's resolution right because we always fail at the new year's resolution <laughs> after about a week yeah i've but, given up on it myself but go yeah ahead. <laughs> yeah but christ he came up with the 12-step program right it's that every day making that commitment to go towards that struggle of learning and following and uh, though you fail a thousand times you can take another day to do it again and so that's a, a vital aspect is realizing salvation is free, but discipleship, yes, is costly. And uh, it's rewarding, though. It's so fruitful. And, you know, that, that makes me think of the fact, too, that uh, discipleship involves and anticipates failure because that's part of life. And that's yeah. part of growing in any, any process. You have children, of course. So those who have children know that they expect their children to fail, but they don't give up on them as children or or disown them uh instead they use it as opportunities to grow um yeah do you think yeah do you think the churches are you know you probably surf the internet enough and hear enough messages on youtube and so forth to know what churches are saying do you think that they're doing very well in making this distinction or are people getting confused out there my uh finding is that uh more and more Today, there is haze from the pulpit and confusion in the pews um, when it comes to salvation and discipleship. Um, what I have found a lot of times is that uh, the distinction of relationship and growth in following Jesus in discipleship is taught as part of salvation, um, and that um, a lot of times it confuses people and they never have a surety of their eternity, which is a very frightful place to be, I think, for anyone. Never yeah. to know if they've been good enough or done enough uh, for salvation. And it keeps people from sharing and from really wanting to grow because now you have this really, you know, um, uh, strict you know person over you that is kind of holding that against you and 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 so that's a really harsh place to be i think really when it comes to your salvation yeah it has caused probably a lot of confusion out there and people lose yeah. the assurance of their salvation because we can never measure up i i think discipleship is also you know really a journey more than a single singular 
and point destination. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we never have done enough in the sense of being a disciple. There's always a new commitment to make. Um, so if someone said to you, uh, Pastor, I'd like to I'd like to begin this process of discipleship. I really would like to be a disciple of Christ. Uh, what does that involve? How would you answer that? Um, for for me, what it, uh, that usually entails is um, really just knowing what stage that person is in their in their faith. Uh, for somebody that is a new believer. Um, Typically, I'll get into a program just teaching them uh, kind of the basics. You know, let's let's go over what it means to study your Bible. Um, you know, pray and talk. Building the communication tools first. You know, because uh, our God is a great God. You know, uh, I love how Romans eight describes it that we are to cry out to Him, Abba, Father, in our struggles. Right, and so just like a baby doesn't know how to communicate correctly um we need to guide that person in the communication tools and it's just that building process and so um years ago uh, about uh, 15 years ago my wife and i we sat down and we went over 13 things that should be taught to somebody as they're growing in their faith and so mm -hmm. um we wrote out a discipleship manual. Now that doesn't mean that you always have to use a discipleship manual. Sometimes the right. best, you know, the, the Bible is our discipleship manual. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can just sit down with somebody and instruct them in that way, but it's really just discipleship is doing life together and showing how scripture applies to life every day. And so I think anybody that's going into discipleship, that's the key is showing life application of scripture yeah I, I like the way you said that um just doing life together because i'm reminded of the man who the pastor who uh discipled me and we did meet every week and we did go through material but he spent a lot of time outside of that just taking mm -hmm. us boating or or you know chopping wood or something and i would watch how he treated his family and yeah. how he prayed and how he had so much joy in the lord that was a big part of my discipleship was was caught not necessarily taught so do you do you exactly. use uh do you use materials in your church when you're making disciples yes so um we use what i i call the living sacrifice discipleship manual hmm. um and uh, that's based on romans 12 1 and 2 um which is just to help people to see what the commitment is you know, see what Christ is calling us to in this idea to follow him. Um, and then uh, we also, for small group, um, I've adapted, uh, I wrote a book uh, just about um, six months ago, and I've adapted a small group material for it. Um, it's called Break the Mold, and so I adapted some small group material that goes with that for small group discipleship. Break the Mold, using Romans 12, 1 and 2 kind of as a foundation for the book. Yeah. Um, why, why are those good verses and what is Romans 12, one and two asking us to do? Well, um, Romans 12, one, two is such a loaded passage because, um, it, it is Paul kind of backloading all of the other 11 chapters. Although, yeah. as you know, they weren't written in chapters. Um, but every, Everything he has previously written, the Romans, you know, the Roman church in the letter, he, he starts with, therefore, I urge you, right? And so he's kind of going through all the thoughts, you know, just, be, you know, just as I said, uh, you know, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And, and because of, you know, Israel's failure, but coming back and then failing again, because, you know, um, uh, Romans 7, that, you know, you have that sinful flesh in you, but Romans 8 hails that nothing can separate you from the love of God, you know, um, and he's just encompassing that total idea of everything he's written. And he says, therefore, because of all that, right, I urge you to offer yourself as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. And, and don't live, you know, in this world in conformity, be, be transformed by the 
the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And so what he's doing is he's just really tearing it down to the basics. And he's saying, you know, just like every good Hebrew and really just every good pagan at that time as well, because they would take their, you know, uh, their ox or their goat to be sacrificed to, you know, their pagan god or demon. Um, he's saying you are to live every day as a sacrifice unto Christ. Um, and he's saying uh, it's this very ironic term to be a living sacrifice because most of the time we think that a sacrifice is dead. Right. And he just ties in those two words so beautifully and it makes complete sense. I like to call it a paradox, right? Where hmm. it, it, it shouldn't really work and it's so out there, but it makes complete sense and it actually works in life, right? Um, right. To be a living sacrifice. And it means dying to yourself every day in order to live for Christ, right? Mm -hmm. And it means that, yeah, sometimes you're going to have to give up in the selfishness and give up in the self-seeking and self-centeredness and, and every day just come alive a little bit more to Christ, living for him, uh, speaking for him, mm -hmm. going out of your shell and, and sharing the gospel with somebody that maybe you would have never handed a track or engaged in a conversation with the with the bank teller or with the, you know, homeless man on the corner of the street, mm -hmm. but it's dying in that moment to your fear or to your maybe even prejudice against, you know, Oh, well, I, that guy's homeless. I don't know. And it's dying to that moment in order to come alive in Christ. So in that sense, it's a sacrifice because you're dying in yeah. that moment. Yeah. Uh, in, yeah. In order to live for him. That's, that's good. It's a paradox, or like you said. Um, I love the fact that Romans 12 is late in the book in Romans, not at the beginning, yeah. Uh, yeah. where he's just saying, here's what you should do, and here's how to do it. Instead, we have 11 chapters, like you say, of, of Paul talking about the why of discipleship, which is mm -hmm. all the wonderful things he says God has done for us in chapters 1 through 11. So uh, how, how do you relate grace to discipleship as a motivation? Well, I think if we really just sit back, um, I think the easy way, easiest way to explain it is to use an illustration. That's what I, I like to do from my pulpit or when I'm doing workshops or speaking or whatever. And so um, I like to relay it as a thank you card, right? Mm. Um, so, so let's say you were sick in the hospital, which I, I, I pray that doesn't happen. But let's say you were and I sent you some soup and a get well balloons and, you know, <laughs> sent some stuff over to Karen and just, you know, uh, just trying to do my best to encourage you in your journey to get well. Well, you would sit down more than likely when you're better and you would write a thank you card, right? Right. We wouldn't consider the thank you card a payment for the gift that I gave you of the soup and the balloons and, you know, maybe a teddy bear or whatever it might've been. Right. Uh, that would just be just as it's stated, a thank you. It's a gratitude. It's you showing your, your thanks and your, um, your gratitude towards the affection that I showed you. Well, here we go is that Jesus has given us the greatest gift we could ever receive. We could never have anything comparable to what Christ has done by forgiving us for our sins and dying on the cross. Yeah. And raising again. It's, it's just the greatest gift we've ever been given. Yet our life can be a thank you card written for him. And that's discipleship. Yeah. I like that. So the motive we're, we're motivated to go forward based on what he's done, or we love him because he first loved us. Exactly. Uh, but the way we show our love, of course, for anyone is is to do their will or whatever pleases them. Discipleship mm -hmm. is a life of pleasing God because of all the wonderful. He loved us um, more than we could imagine, given us more than we could ever imagine also in his son. Um, so 
of course you i i know that you preach these truths and 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 make them kind of the basis for what we do so it's not just discipleship is not i think people sometimes have a legalistic view of discipleship do these things you know list yeah, of things a checklist <laughs> yeah and and yeah. the bible does have a lot of things to do but it's all based on what god has done for us so yeah. um we we preach what he's done for us that's called grace and uh and then we go from there um i i like to to just i think i think discipleship can be summed up in one verse by john first john three eighteen, and this is and and he says let us love not in word or tongue but in action and in truth hmm. and that is our love being displayed for christ right is okay. action yeah that's jesus that that reflects what jesus said exactly in the upper room yeah and uh james repeats in uh james uh one and two um so your book is called break the mold and it uses romans 12 one through two to set people on in the direction of discipleship and it um where can people find that book uh right now it is available on amazon uh books and books books by a million and um it's also available through the publisher which is grace acres okay Grace Acres publisher, and uh, of course, Amazon's always uh, familiar to people. And if they wanted to access some of your um, messages uh, about discipleship, where would they find Yeah, so, so I have a website just committed to discipleship material, and that's called transformed365.com. And uh, I also have, uh, so I have my workshops that um, I've done um, on there, which goes over the what the who and the how of discipleship and then um i also have you know some free downloads i, I love to give stuff away um mm -hmm. because I, I believe in giving things for free um wow. and so um you know the the discipleship manuals on there i have a small group uh discipleship study series on there called the verb just going over uh actions within the bible that uh, we can live by um and then um I also have my uh, sermons available on our church website, which is uh, swcc.org. Swcc.org. Yes. Okay. Well, I couldn't think of a better person uh, to talk about discipleship than somebody who's working on a doctor of ministry and discipleship studies at yes. Liberty University. Did this book come out of that studies or does it have anything to do with your project, your final project or thesis? Um, so. The Break the Mold actually came uh, about in the master's program as I was eyeing the discipleship program at okay. Liberty. Um, I just kind of sat down and, um, you know, Romans 12, 1 and 2 is one of those verses that um, it grabbed a hold of me at 19 years old, as, as we said earlier, that's the day. Really, that's the time I can look back and say, wow, that's the day I, I started to take my relationship seriously with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And um, so from that point on, it was really just a, a launching point. And it, it culminated in seminary um, 10 years later, something of that nature. Um, and I sat down and, and began to write. Um, I am working on a... Um, you know, my dissertation at the moment, and I'm, I'm writing some material based on Matthew 5 through 7, hmm. the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, that, that's heavily discipleship-based, but yes, it, it was influenced by my studies. Okay, great. Well, I'm going to ask you to, um, uh, two things. First, I'm going to ask you to challenge uh, people who, who are Christians, who are listening in, who are just kind of floating through this Christian experience, attending church, they're not really committed to very much. Um, mm -hmm. And really nobody's probably challenged them to get on this journey of discipleship. Maybe they don't know what to do. But can you speak to that person first? And then I want you to challenge uh, those who are disciples of Christ, walking with the Lord, following him, learning from him uh, to make more disciples. So how, how about this Christian that's out there? And there are many who they, they're good people. They go to church and uh, they love the Lord. 
Um, but there are other priorities in their life. And yeah. they, they've never taken seriously this command to be a disciple and to follow Christ in a life of commitment like you're talking about. Would you speak to them for a minute? Yeah, I would, I would say for the person that has really just never taken a step beyond trusting Christ as their Savior. You know, maybe they're, they're, like you said, they've been going to church and they're faithful in going to church or they're faithful in giving and, and you know, things of that nature. Um, we are all commanded to take part of this glorious mission of reaching the nations. That's the important, gospel of Jesus important Christ. to make that it's a command, not a suggestion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I love the fact that uh, a lot of people, they, they segregate verse 18 of Matthew 28, but that's just as much a part of the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. All authority of heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here Jesus is telling us, hey, look, I'm commanding you to do this one thing while I'm away. And it's kingdom expansion, right? It's the idea that we are his ambassadors to go out and grow people in their relationship with Christ. And just like any good parent or even an average parent, they don't just have a baby and lock it up in the room to raise itself. Mm -hmm. We need to be growing people that we reach for the sake of Christ. And everybody can disciple someone else because we all have experiences in life. We all have moments where as we said earlier, discipleship kind of implies that we're going to fail. We're going to have those Peter moments, right? Where, where um, we put our foot in our mouth or we pull out the sword and we chop off a guy's ear. Hopefully no one's doing that to that extreme, but where we, we fail, where Peter denied Christ three times, right? Yeah. Where, where we have those struggles in our walk. But I love the fact that Jesus pulled him back with that, you know, Peter, I want, I want you to tend my sheep. I want you to follow me again, right? And so what I would call people to do that are, are in that state is to, number one, get into a small group where they can be fed. Mm-hmm. Get somebody over them that they can look up to and be mentored and discipled by. And then find somebody that needs help in their relationship with Christ and encourage them. Now, it doesn't mean that they have to talk deep theological discussions, but everybody has something that can feed somebody else. And that's the important thing to realize in our faith. And in sharing that with somebody else, it actually encourages you in your own growth and your own faith, mm-hmm. because we can only take somebody as far as we've gone. And so um, it's, it's just so uh, enriching as we get into a relationship of discipleship with somebody else. And so I would encourage them just to get into that type of relationship, you know, where they have somebody that they're trying to, to, to help out, but they have somebody also that they're uh, being encouraged by and growing with um, and never lose focus on Christ. You know, he's the one, he's our goal and we're never going to get there. You know, I want on my epitaph that not it alive. says, it's not alive. Or yeah, unless exactly. Comes, unless he comes. <laughs> exactly. I, I want on my epitaph to, you know, as, as people are there and, and they're celebrating my life, I want that it to be said, he died still growing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, because uh, I always want to be seeking Christ and I'm, you know, I, we'll never reach perfection here on earth. Yeah. Well, well said. And, um, Jesus's plan uh, through making disciples was a plan of multiplication, not just simple addition, which uh, evangelism, we often think of adding people, you know, one at mm-hmm. a time. But actually, his plan is in 2 Timothy 2, 2, as Paul you know, tells Timothy to teach faithful men who will teach others. I see four yeah. generations there. Um, so the, the challenge then is to find your Timothys and, yeah. and be faithful with them. And uh, then take up the commitment yourself uh, to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm thinking there's probably some people who go to churches where they say, well, you know, our church just a, um, maybe 
unfortunately, a typical church, we go in, we listen to a sermon, we go home on Sundays. Um, they might have a small group program or something or Sunday school. Um, there, there are probably resources outside uh, they can plug into as well, um, organizations and uh, teaching, certainly like yours, they can access. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there are good books that can actually, people can walk themselves through um, as, as well. They could read your book, for example. So, well, we, we appreciate you sharing with us today, uh, Cody, Pastor Cody, and uh, um, good luck in finishing up your, your doctoral studies there. Uh, when do you anticipate graduating with your doctorate ministry and discipleship studies? So if uh, all goes to plan, Lord willing, or uh, the Lord doesn't come back before then, uh, this coming fall. This coming fall. Wow. Yeah, tw- 2022. Okay. Yeah, we are in fall already. So coming fall. Well, we appreciate it. And uh, thank you for your time and your insights. And we thank you for your commitment to uh, which I've seen there at uh, Southwest Community Church in Miami of how you're making disciples. It's a great model for other people to look at and follow. Oh, and I thank you for your efforts in just keeping the gospel clear and true and uh, just distinguishing between growth and salvation. It's a beautiful thing. Oh, by God's grace. Well, greetings to your church and to your family, and we'll hope to see you soon somewhere. Yes, sir. God bless. Okay. And uh, if you've listened to this podcast and you're, you enjoy that, we encourage you to uh, like it and uh, subscribe to it, and you'll hear more interviews in the future along with the reading of our book. Take care until we see you again. Thank you for listening. For more resources, or to help spread the message of God's life-changing grace, visit our website at gracelife.org. We'd love to hear from you. Send us a message at simplybygrace at gracelife.org. See you next time.